Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Modern living can be overwhelming with its complexity and frantic pace. You might assume that the only way to find peace, love, and harmony is when life is free of troubles. But that's not the case. You see, it is possible to find this desirable state despite the stresses of everyday life. My guest Alex Mills says that inner peace is accessible to everyone by following certain practices. He'll share some of them with us today. Alex Mill trained in a Zen monastery for nearly 14 years. He now offers his extensive experience to transform people's lives and businesses through timeless Zen principles. Alex is the author of seven books on Zen awareness practice. He also created three life-changing 30-day programs, Heart to Heart, Compassionate Self-Mentoring, Help Yourself to Change, and your practice, as well as an online Zen meditation workshop called Taming Your Inner Noise. During our discussion, Alex will share what he learned at the monastery and how we can apply the wisdom and spiritual practices in everyday life. He'll focus on clearing the mind to experience inner peace and contentment and shift from fear to love. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hello, Alex. How are you today? I am very well, Celine. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm looking forward to learning more about your story and the teachings you've penned so well in your book, A Shift to Love. Uh, it is a wonderful take on our minds, our heart, and spirit. And you touch on some common challenges that people face in everyday life. So we're going to have plenty to talk about today. Fun. I'm excited to talk to you about anything and everything that you'd like to. Great. All right. So let's get started with learning more about you, Alex. Tell us about your story. What were the circumstances that led you to train in a Zen monastery for 14 years? I mean, that's a long time. So yeah. just tell us what, what, what led you there. Sure. Uh, it, it's, um, I write about it in my book, but I, I, uh, and part of why I decided to write the book was that so many people were very curious about how did you end up getting there? Um, why did you decide to stay and what made you decide to leave? And so, uh, the origin story about how I ended up training in a Zen monastery goes something like I wandered into a bookstore by mistake. Uh, I was following my girlfriend at the time into the store and I had nothing, I had no interest in that kind of work at all. I had no interest in spirituality, new age, Buddhism, nothing. And I, I was just hanging along and a book jumped off the shelf I started going through it. I started looking at some others as well while I was there. And it just really, um, it really spoke to me. Uh, it was speaking about the circumstance of my life at the moment. It felt like I had everything that I should have in order to experience deep, fulfilling happiness. I had um, the perfect partner. I had a perfect place I was living, job, friends stuff that I was very interested in at the time. Uh, I was collecting lots and lots of things, just very, very happy with everything that was going on. But I felt a sense of constantly searching for more and more and more better, different, all that kind of stuff. And it really struck me uh, 
the uh, there was a particular passage that stood out in my mind. It was um, it was she was talking about process, how one process doesn't lead to another. And she was talking about the process of wanting, 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 and it never leads to having. And that struck me really deeply because that's what was I, I that's what I was experiencing was collecting all of these things didn't equal the fulfillment I thought that they would they would give me. So I didn't have having. And that's the first thing that started me on the path to uh, being very, very interested in. Uh, this practice. Uh, I remember I would be reading all of these books. I started collecting Buddhist books, which is my process. I was a big collector, had an enormous bookshelf, had a record collection, just span walls and and things like that. How old were you when this all happened? Uh, At the time, I was 29, actually. Yeah. Okay. uh, 29 years old when this uh, happened for me. When I uh, found this book, this you know, this these teachings just jumped out at me. But the thing that um, really catapulted me there was meditation. If I had not sat down and actually did what all of the books I was reading at the time were saying, I would not have actually done anything with it. They would have just found their way on the shelf with everything else that I had collected at the time, and it would have just been one more thing that I was interested in. But because I had an insight after reading these books that kept saying, meditate, 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 I caught the irony of, I'm not, I'm reading these meditation books. I'm not actually doing the thing that they're saying to do, you know? Yeah, because you're stuck in the mind, right? You want to... Yeah, it was just very inspirational. You know what I mean? It was just like, wow, I loved what what I was reading. You know, I skipped over a lot of the exercises where you're supposed to write down some of these things and... But meditation is the thing that really sealed the deal. I started to change. People started to notice. And um, one thing led to another. My girlfriend, uh, at the time, she wanted to go cross-country. And so, how lovely. I would We would go cross-country, and part of it was I was going to go visit a monastery just to check it out. And there were a lot of other really interesting things that happened along the way. And in the book, I talk about a spiritual mentor who kind of gave me the final push to to go do this. And um, so I don't want to spoil anything if, if folks are going to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, you're just giving us broad strokes here. Um, and you yeah. talked about meditating and, you know, you it really how it changed your life. But you actually meditated for 10,000 hours. What was that like? Yeah, well, over the course of spending 14 years in a Zen monastery, one does um, do quite a bit of meditation. Uh, We meditated at least six times a day formally. Uh, There were meditation practices that I would do when I was in my hermitage as as well. Um, But uh, yeah, meditation was the foundation of of the practice. Uh, What was it like? Uh, It was everything. I mean, for me, in my style of meditation, it was Zazen, and it's really not about this special experience that one has. I know that it's very popular um, in in the world to have all of these extravagant different kinds of meditations. There's a meditation for this, a meditation for that, right? There's guided meditations, there's binaural beats that you put on, there are all of these things. But I would say Zazen is about as stripped down as you can get. It's just sitting there facing a blank wall in a very specific posture. And all you're doing is focusing all of your attention on the breath. If your attention wanders, you mindfully and gently bring it back. I mean, that's it. really it in a nutshell. There's more that I can go into about it. I have a workshop that I put together that's about an, um, an hour and a half that covers it in more detail. Uh, but it um, it allows for uh, us to be able to be with whatever arises uh, it trains our attention to come back to where we want it because the quality of our lives are determined by where our attention goes and where we focus it. That's really the thing that I think most people really struggle with. And it solves so much if one were able to uh, do this simple practice for it just takes five minutes. But if you can't stand not doing more, I tell my students is, you know, just do, you know, up to half hour is fine to sit in meditation. And uh, it starts to, at least for me, it started to really make some drastic changes because I started to see 
how things were happening in my life. I got to start to see some of the things that I was reading about process, uh, how the voices in our head work to come in to talk us into doing that which we don't want to do and out of doing that which we do want to do. And that's how suffering is is essentially created. And so um, mm. meditation was challenging, but yeah. at I, I mean, I can imagine. I have a tough time meditating, I'll be honest, you know, because I'm more of a thinker. For me, I feel like the closest thing to meditation for me is when I'm running, right? When I'm running, I because I I'm so focused on it and my mind is completely on what I'm doing and I'm totally in sure. my body. So I've tried meditating and I've not been very good, good at it. And then it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you. Cause I wanted to find out like, what, you know, what do you do to really cultivate this discipline? Because I've heard so many good things about it. Yeah. You know, the, the irony of it is, is that um, there are lots of different types of meditations and different practices. They're all going off to different things. And uh, so many people I run into who say they struggle with meditation have these ideas about what they're supposed to be doing, what they're supposed to be accomplishing, whether it's a good meditation or a bad meditation. In the practice that I learned, you know, the only bad meditation is the one that you don't do. And it oh, was... Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? And yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. anything and everything is, is it's like possible. exercising, right? It's like you should engage in physical activities that you actually enjoy and that you know, you can stick with. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you enjoy them. And sometimes you don't, right? So if right. you're trained, it's challenging, but you you're showing up, you're doing it. And that's really I mean, I'm glad you brought up exercise, because that's really the parallel between for me, anyway, meditation and with the practice, it's not always going to be fun. You're not always going to be excited to do it. You're not going to have positive experiences all the time, but it is showing up and doing what you say you're going to do for the set amount of time. And it's really nothing more fancy than an exercise or brushing your teeth or any other thing. I think that the problem most people struggle with is that there's this idea of what it's supposed to be like. It's supposed to be this exotic spa-like experience where your mind is completely gone and yeah, you're blissed out and uh, it's just blah, blah, blah. I mean, people have all sorts of stories about or ideas in their minds about what my experience must have been like in training. Some people are like, oh, well, that must be nice to go off and do that. Don't realize how challenging it is to just give up everything that you've got in your life uh, to go and be of service for 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, and other people are like, um, oh, it must have been, must have been, um, you know, you had this uh, image of this guy on a hill under a tree, and it's uh, it's just this amazing meditation experience. And again, that's really not not what it's like either. And so um mm -hmm. yeah. And this is also this new offspring of of new age the new age movement of using meditation as a way to manifest what we want. Sure. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That like I said, there are so many different types of meditation styles and and they're all going for lots of different things. That is the current trend. Uh, this is this meditation practice is so that I can be better, get the partner I want, make more money, be exactly. happy. And that's not what what you're teaching. Yours is Zen uh, meditation is is more focused on clearing the mind and kind of you know disciplining um, your inner yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I, I would say um, what what happens is uh, what's going on internally is our attention is being directed for us. Uh, authors like Eckhart Tolle and um, Michael Singer, they talk a lot about mm, how yeah, yeah. The, the ego is coming in and, and directing the show. What happens when we sit down and bring our attention back is we get to see the force that force pulling our attention away. Meditation would really not be a big deal if it wasn't for that force that is constantly directing our attention. You know, it's the one that goes to something wrong, not enough all the time. And um, so, uh, uh, how should I put it? What we're doing when we're sitting in meditation is we are noticing everything that arises. It's really an awareness practice. It's an ability to see how the structure looks 
it's almost like we're in a dark room and the light is slowly being turned up. And as the light gets turned up, you start to see the pathways that we take, the habits, the beliefs, the assumptions, the different aspects of ourselves, the the construct that we believe is out there um, that we engage with and, and assume is real. And what happens is as we start to see that, we can start to make better and better choices. Now, see- So you get a higher say- perspective. Yeah, to a certain degree. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it becomes clear. You have access to uh, who you authentically are. Uh, you get to be in this field of creativity. You get to see what is coming between you and that. It's uh, it's a lot like being able to uh, stand there observing rather than being in the middle of the drama, uh, so to speak. So, so many people experience whatever is going on inside of their minds is to be overwhelming and in control. It's like the ego is the thing that's driving, driving the bus and we're just passengers in it. Um, meditation affords us the ability to disidentify from that and become the person at the wheel. And so a lot of times the byproduct of awareness is all of these really lovely Things like joy, happiness, peace, creativity, generosity, uh, kindness, uh, just just amazing, amazing things that are available. I think it's cart before the horse a lot of times when people approach meditation because they are just like, oh, give me the good stuff and not being willing to put in the time and energy and effort to just sit there and um, deal with everything that arises because that has to be confronted before you can be free of it. Uh, like I said, it's like this dark place that we're wandering through and we're, uh, we're wandering through it. And there's like these, um, landmines that are going off as we're, as we're traversing this, you know? So, uh, it's, it's challenging to have emotional, uh, reactions coming up and people have this word for it now in the world, it's triggers and things like Mm. that. Me, that event triggered me. And it's like, people have to get clear that, that's what's going on internally. It's an internal response to whatever is going on out there. And so people have a very outside in uh, relationship with um, spirituality, I would say still, right? Like, I'm going to avoid these people. These are the negative energy vampires. And this situation is too stressful. And it's not good for me. And what would be best for me is to and we create a whole world in which we avoid a lot of things that are ironically helpful for our spiritual growth and development and are not to be avoided. As a matter of fact, uh, we are invited to go through challenges that uh, push us and uh, because really the, the, you really the, the think reason- so? I mean, I mean, wouldn't we function better if we get rid of, or at least avoid things that don't bring out the best in us? Well, I would question where the best in us and why is it not bringing out the best in us? I mean, a narcissistic family member, for example. I think it's just interesting. I mean, you would want to build boundaries with someone like that. You might. Um, I, I, uh, this is a, we could get into this very much um, if if we, if we wanted to. Um, the, the, the first thing that we have to do is we get to clear that part of what I do creates, I'm a creator in this way of experiencing life. And so I'm not saying that people are not out there intentionally trying to do things to, um, either hurt us or be cruel to us. I'm not suggesting any of that. A lot of times when I speak to somebody, and they're telling me about the challenges they're experiencing with someone else, they are very oblivious to their participation in the role that they have in the relationship they have with another person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, the story that they're carrying around about who another person is or what a situation is like, is very not like what it actually is or could be. Uh, So, you know, I have lots Lots of examples from people that I work with, you know, some of my clients, uh, one woman was talking about a situation in which she felt like uh, her son's wife 
um, her side of the family were attacking her and being um, unkind to her. And as we started to talk, and as the structures started to become revealed, uh, it became clear that she was bringing in a lot of assumptions and stories and no one actually said any of these things. There were a lot of things that she was picking up on. And uh, so she's part of that dynamic is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in my book, I talk yeah, I, about, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's like relationships are like the roof of a house, right? There's what I do, and then there's what another person does, and in the middle, that's the relationship. And all it takes is for one person to shift how they are, and then it's very difficult for the structure to stay in place, mm. and that starts to collapse too. So a lot of yeah. times we don't realize how much we are enabling the relationship to continue in the direction that it has been going. Uh, Yeah, that takes a lot, a lot of spiritual maturity. In our victimhood culture, people are more prone to blaming other people and they don't really take ownership of where they go wrong. So, yeah. My teacher talked about that a lot. She would say that, uh, you know, I'd be very popular if I wrote how to control others and make things go your way. Um, Her books would sell um, way more. That because that's what people are, you know. And when you talked about new age, it's like and and manifesting this. It's like uh, people want to believe that I don't have to do anything. I just have to sit there and and think positive thoughts and radiate good energy. Now I'm not saying you don't want to do that. I'm just saying that there's there's just a bit more to it than than that. <laughs> what you're saying is you got to clear the junk inside, right? Before junk you can inside, actually be a channel. Or yeah. those things to actually come through. Yeah, channel inside. Also, it starts to enable you to take actions that were previously unavailable to you yeah. because of you saw what's of what's what you're worth, what's what what's okay for you to have, what's not okay for you to have. Mm. Stories about because we carry all this stuff, right? It's like somebody who believes that. Um, the only way to make money is to put in this much work. If they don't put in that much work, they don't feel like they deserve that. And so, so many things are just completely hidden uh, in that darkness. And that when the light starts to reveal it, we don't have to relate to it anymore. And this is why you don't actually have, for me, the practice is not effortful at a particular point. When you start to see things, you just do the right thing it's it's like if you keep falling into a hole over and over again it's because the lights were completely out but when the lights come up you just walk around the hole it doesn't make sense for you to keep falling in and doing the same things that don't work so (laughs) to do it backwards it takes a lot of effort to start to change yourself right to start to create these new habits and practices and uh, routines you know you see it around uh the new year um, we, people take on the resolutions and stuff like that, but see, see the outward actions that sometimes people take are guided and directed by the voices in our heads, the ones that discourage us and make us make it into a challenge and basically talk us into quitting. I don't know if you've had that experience with meditation where it feels like if it's not going a particular way, it get, it doesn't get put on your schedule. You get uh, talked into quitting um it has to be a certain length if you don't have time for that then you don't do any meditation whatsoever i mean these are just voices that show up around meditation just imagine the rest of one's life with some of these more complex situations right so what kind of practices do you recommend if you feel like those the you know the ones that we talk about that are more outward focused what do you think would be a better alternative to that? Something that makes us go within and really kind of get in touch with that experience within us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what I did when I came out of the monastery is um I had a I was at a crossroads where I had to determine whether I was going to continue doing what I was doing before or whether I was going to actually embrace uh what I had learned all of that time and see if I could help others with it. But um, I started putting together programs. I started writing. Uh, I started teaching meditation workshops. 
workshops and then people who were following me online were all over the world, wanted to have access to the uh, meditation workshops and things like that. So I put together a meditation workshop that trained people how to go within and look and see how everything is put together so that they can be clearer and have more access to access to just uh, a different way of seeing life. It's the shift to love I talk about in my book. Um, so meditation for me was the pathway. See, the one thing that I recommend to everybody is the kind of thing that was worked for me. I made it really clear that I have no intention of being a so-called in quotes teacher or a guru or someone to follow. I'm not interested in followers. I'm, I'm more interested in people who are going to be doing practice along with me, who um, I've, I've done this work. I've seen a lot. I have lots to offer. And so uh, I would want people to have the same opportunity to avail themselves of practice so that they can turn things around for themselves. And if not working with me, working with going to a mon monastery or training in a local Zen center or whatever. But um, I would recommend starting with meditation for me. That's I, it's very tempting to read. Yes. Yeah. In addition to meditation, I mean, that would be like a daily practice, right? But if sure. you're in the moment, like if you need something to calm your nerves, or if you feel like you're being triggered, are there any tools that you recommend that people can turn to in times like that? You know, it's not going to be very glamorous. It's not uh, anything that anybody has um, not already said, you know, so the training that I'm doing with meditation, bringing my attention back to the breath, that can actually be uh, continued. What happens for people when they finish a meditation practice is they um, they get up and then they go right back up into here. It's almost as though, okay, put in my time. Now I don't have yeah. to be attention anymore. Exactly. When they're in the real world, right? And when they actually deal wow. with you know, those challenges, challenging situations, difficult people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It crosses over. It starts to cross over. Right. Um, get it. I, I'm not sure how long your meditation practice has gone on or if you've had one for any length of time. Uh, maybe that's why it's, 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 it, what I'm suggesting isn't re resonating, but my, my point is sit for five minutes every day, no matter what, You'll notice how the voices come in to talk you out of it. That's good. We want to watch to see. So if I skip a day, I pay attention to how I got talked out of it. That's your that's your first cue that this is how this is how I'm being controlled. This is how I'm not in charge of my life. So what you're saying is that if you stick with a regular meditation practice, it kind of changes your nervous system and that prepares you for whatever challenges that you may face may face during your day what happens is um slowly but surely the um the the practice that you're doing where you're bringing your attention back to your breath will be something that you carry along with you yes after you for a meditation practice and pretty soon your entire life can be a meditation practice in which you are here more than you are not here. The reason why we need tools and tips and tricks to pull us out of seemingly real situations out in the world, like a challenging partner or a difficult work situation or a tragedy that's happened is that most of the time we are walking around completely unconscious, right? So this it's no fault of anybody else's it's like it, it we haven't been shown how to live an alternate uh, way of of being right it's we have an easier time looking at what's not working what's wrong problems uh what's what's wrong with me what's wrong with them the past the future we spend a whole lot of time i mean you described yourself as somebody who's up in you know, up in her head and and thinking about things a lot of times cerebral and Very so cerebral yes yeah yeah so um it's it's challenging because we don't have anything it's it's like um anything that we do is kind of like building a house on a swamp, right? It's like there's no foundation for a lot of people. I, I remember I joked around with somebody, I said, I don't know how y'all get up in the morning and go about your day without something like a meditation practice to at least ground yourself on it. It's you know, it's like um I I feel I feel you know it's deep compassion and like sympathy for folks who um who are going about uh, day to day, 
without the awareness that another way is possible, a way in which um, I'm completely plugged in with life, I'm here, and that when things come come along, um, something that for most people would be a challenge, it's an opportunity. It's like, so the habit is, okay, something horrible happens. Um, maybe I get a flat tire or something like that. And the equivalent that most people go to is like, okay, well, I'm going to kick the tire. I'm going to shake my fist at God. I'm going to complain, going to call everybody and tell them how awful this is. And it's a, it's an amazing amount of energy expended on something that isn't particularly useful or helpful. And so what we don't have access to is a lot of times is the ability to go, okay, get out the tire put it on, you know, change, get call people, tell them I'm going to be late. Um, just whatever would be proactive, uh, something that it would actually help. That's just a metaphor for everything else in life. And that's why people are looking for tools to help get them to that clarity quicker. And what I'm suggesting is stay in that place. Stay, yeah. stay. There. It's like when you get up off your cushion in meditation, stay with the breath, Take count that your with breath. You. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Make it's a way make, of being. It's a container. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I talk about it as bringing, putting your life into practice rather than practice into your life, because that's what most people are doing is this, this, just this special little activity that I tack on to my day and I do it and I expect it to be special. And, and, uh, and, and that's it. I don't think about it again after that. And for mm, what that's I'm a very, very good distinction you're making there. You can relate yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah, you can kind of mm -hmm. what I'm talking about right. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. it's only if I, it's useful to me. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the equivalent of like something horrible happens and I'm going to pray to some some source to to help me in the situation. And ninety nine point nine percent of my day, I'm oblivious to this, you know, this divinity or whatever like that. And um, I'm going to call on it when I when I need it. And that's why it just doesn't work. It's not it's not set up to to be like that. It's more like I walk around in presence and I'm kind of surprised when something pulls me off guard uh, uh, and unaware. So that's what we're going for anyway. If there is a place that we're going for, it's uh, to to live in that space instead of just being a a, a weekend visitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. Great. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. Um, oh, sure. And another chapter that really caught my eye is titled Runway of Wanting. So what does that mean in the context of the pursuit of having? Because you say that the whole point of a spiritual practice isn't you know, it, it isn't about getting what you want or expect or feel you deserve. The point is awakening. Can you please tell us more about what you write about in that chapter? Sure. I'm going to do my best to kind of call that forth. Um, I think it was referring to um, a lot of times the benefit that we have in the world is that we have access to lots and lots of information. Like if you want to practice that somebody taught or um, a workshop or a retreat or something like that, or it's something that you're interested in, like a specific type of Buddhism, it's available to you because of the internet, right? And so um, we have plenty of that, no shortage. We could change whatever it is that we want here, there, and everywhere, right? Um, the curse of that is that we have all of that. And so it becomes a really overwhelming. We don't actually go deep in any one particular spot. And so we kind of do the shiny object syndrome with things like spiritual practices. Oh, there's this new guy. He's teaching this. That's going on in Sally's life. So I'll send her that book or whatever like that. Again, nothing wrong with any of that. I just think that it's very challenging in the world where our attention is being pulled here, there, and everywhere to keep it in a particular place. I was kind of blessed with the fact that I found something that resonated for me. I took the next step, which was to do the meditation practice that that particular book was teaching. I stuck with it and then went into training for that very uh, style or that, um, you know, that practice 
And um, I didn't waver from it. I didn't go, oh, well, I wonder what the hot tub meditation is like, or uh, what this meditation is like, or whatever like that. Um, and so I'm kind of getting around to what I'm, what your question is about. And that is what happens is that people will do something for a while and without any kind of support, without a teacher or um, coach or a guide, people will get to a particular point and then they'll go, I want to do this. This looks more interesting. Or I didn't like how that made me feel. So I must be doing it wrong. Therefore, I'm going to quit. Therefore, right? Can you see the, the mm-hmm. way it's going? Yeah. And so when I write that it's not about you getting the right experience, people would often come to the monastery and the, the benefit of being in a place or working with somebody, like when I work with my clients, I typically work with them for an extended period of time. I talk about the joy or the gift of no escape. Because in a situation where you can give up on yourself, abandon yourself, if something gets too hard and you can't deal with it, very rarely are we in a situation in life where we go, um, well, keep going, right? Keep keep persevering. This is why coaches are so very helpful for athletes performers is because they know they're going from here to there. It isn't always going to be roses and flowers and unicorns and, you know, bright, shiny birds and things like that. And so, Mm. so, so did you have a mentor who helped you along the way when you, whenever you felt like quitting? Oh God, the whole monastery was a structure for, for that. I, when I go, when I, there, I agreed that I'm going to be here. That's one of the things that new monks do is they they write out their commitment. This is what these are the kinds of things I'm going to need. I'm going to need a dental appointment. I'm going to need a doctor's appointment. I'm going to visit my family for a few days here and here. Uh, I'm going to require um, toilet toiletries or whatever like that. And then, okay, we're all set. I'm here for a year, and um, that's my agreement. I keep an agreement about what I commit to. And um, that's very rare for for us out in the world. I know that for myself, if I was put in a lot of situations that I was put in when I was training, bailed, just would have left the situation entirely. Because at the beginning, I'm just doing what everybody's telling me, right? I'm just sweeping this floor. I'm cutting these carrots and things like that. Then pretty soon, I'm in charge of the area that's monitoring people who are cutting carrots and sweeping floors and building things. And then pretty soon I'm facilitating groups and workshops and coming up with curriculum and running how the monastery works and our organizations and things. It just, it's just, uh, it's incredible. And at the same time, very threatening to people's parts of themselves who believe they are capable or not capable of certain things. And, and um and so sticking with things is very challenging for for a lot of folks i i think that's one of the biggest things that i see people struggle with out in the world is the inability to keep their attention on where they're going or even know where they're going and uh and why do you think that's the case why do you think people have challenges with same that thing. same thing the voices people the voices. will say that. yeah it's the ego the I said earlier, it's we get talked out of doing that which would be helpful and talked into that which isn't. And so it's easier to down a bag of potato chips or sit and watch TV for hours or scroll on social media or anything else that just feels like we're getting something in the moment. Instant gratification. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, it's a source of all addiction because what what the voices are trying to do is they're trying to talk you into something that they're going to later beat you up for. Right. It's like, yes. okay, um, I said I was going to go on a diet. Now I'm eating this chocolate cake. Uh, and then boom, there we are. Right. We're in the middle of it. So every form of addiction is, a, is in service to this feeling bad machine, the the suffering that we experience as a result of not doing that, which we, we, we say we want for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So I talk to somebody, I'm I'm coaching them and I find out, okay, what is it that you want? What do you want to create? Uh, if there was no 
if there was nothing that was impossible, what would you like? And um, and so I'm really clear. And when I get down deep with somebody, I find out what their heart desires. It's um, nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, "I want to feel bad. I want this limited life. I want." Um, all the things that end up happening a lot of times for them. And they wonder why, why am I stuck in this situation? Why can't I not do it? I mean, you know, I, I'm not picking on you, but it's like when you say the meditation part, it's, or it's difficult for you to meditate. That is a little variation of why is it so challenging for people to, to do these things? It's like, I know it's good for me. I know people say that they have amazing experiences and yet you know, um, the voices talk me out of it. They come up with reasons why they we shouldn't or I, why should Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the main issues with meditation for me and a lot of people is that it can feel a little boring. And that's why I try listening to certain music while doing it that, yeah. that I found calming but stimulating at the same time, Native American sure. music, like the flutes. And that kept me going for a bit. So... I mean, do you find that that is a common issue that your clients have, that they find it a little bit, you know, the fact that there is no stimulation can feel a little bit alarming, especially in the early stages? Yeah. You know, for me, it's like um, there's no way to do it wrong and everything is available for you to see. I, I would call, look, everybody has different stages in their practice, right? What you're describing, you know, with, with um. So you pick up an app like Headspace or something like that. And then there's this guided meditation that you're listening to. And then there's music and it's pleasant. Look, just do whatever you need to, to start to get into the habit. Nobody has to go into hardcore meditation the way that I started, where you're sitting in a particular posture with your hands a certain way. Yeah, because that's intimidating for a lot of people. (laughs) It could be. It could be because of, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. The intimidating part is coming from within. It is mm-hmm. telling you that this is horrible. This is boring. The yeah. most fascinating part is when people get clear that there is something dictating to them their experience of life 24-7. This is boring. This is no fun. This uh, This is challenging. This is painful, whatever. But I'm listening to something telling me about what my experience of life is. That is exciting to me. That is like, yes, um, if you don't meditate and you hear how you got talked out of it, that is a win. It's it's uh, my teacher used to say, it's like if you started a meditation practice and you never actually meditated and you caught on to how the voices talked you out of meditation, then you're doing great. You'd never have to actually meditate. And now I'm not talking anybody out of meditation, but I'm talking them into the spirit with which we're doing awareness practice. We are looking to see how our reality is created for us and how it is keeping, how the voices are keeping us from showing up and doing that which we say we want to do. Because our heart wants something very different from what the ego wants, and it will use anything and everything to get between people and the change they say they want. You know, I'll run into all the time. It's like, um, I really want to work with you. I really want to change my life. I really want to see the kinds of things that your clients are seeing. And they'll run into, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'll have time. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know if- All the excuses. Well, it's this. That's the irony. It's the thing that we're going to throw off the throne is the very thing that is controlling them at the beginning, which is I completely understand. I completely understand that. I know what people are up against. I'm not confused. That's what I help yeah. people get get different in going on in their lives, right? I want their heart to express themselves. I want really wonderful things for them. I want them to um, live what they know is possible for themselves because that's who they really are. And I also know what stops them from being who they really are. And so it's fun yeah, stuff. And you, yeah, it is. And you actually expand on this and you make this um, 
you know, you talk about this on a collective level, and I, I, I really love that that you you touched on the the social aspect of it. Uh, you write that we live in turbulent and uncertain times, and hatred is dividing us. And what's needed is a shift to consciousness and love. So, Alex, what does that look like, and how can we be part uh, of that shift to love as individuals? Yeah, um, I think. I think it's going to be um, completely unglamorous again. It's going to be each of us taking on our own, um, doing the work. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have said that before too. It's like, um, yeah, uh, they're Michael Jackson, the- man in the mirror. Yeah, Start with right? yourself. Start with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so easy. You even said so really eloquently, you know, we're looking for someone else to blame. You know, we want to be the victim and, what we need to do is take responsibility for our own mm-hmm. way of seeing. I, I, re, I have so many people, well-meaning people, parents especially, who are like, I really want something. I really want my kids to meditate. I really want them to practice. I really want them to see the shift that I know is possible. And I said, look, focus on yourself. Do the work yourself. Invite them to participate with you. If you push things onto people, that push is coming from the ego's desire for something to be different and because there is something wrong with, right? So invite them into a possibility, don't correct them for what's wrong. And so you yourself must live in that space before. And then we used to talk about it as like this, the, the ripples go out everywhere. It's like a, a kind, compassionate, loving person who yeah. is present, really there with you, really engaged with you, listening, uh, reflectively listening to you, uh, cares for you deeply, wants nothing but the best for you. That is going to be profound. Some of the times, some of the biggest it's, changes. It's sorry, it's funny you mentioned uh, ripples because I was just thinking about this book titled The Shape of Water. I don't know if you've heard of it, like this Japanese scientist who... Um, he did some experiments on water crystals and oh yes, yeah, he's famous. Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to say he's Emoto or something like Emoto, that. Emoto, yes. But uh, he uh, he was in a movie that I'd seen. Um, what the bleep do we know? There's a small passage okay. on ice yeah. crystal. Go ahead. I don't want to. So no, you you can explain it because it's it's just about how everyone was so focused on love and compassion and how that kind of permeated into yeah the, the world and how that changed. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everything. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's yeah. it. If um, mm-hmm. everybody wants to have this big major thing to happen and all it takes is one extra person jumping on board and becoming more conscious, that's mm-hmm. all I really want for people is the ability to, and the willingness to do this work because uh, the, the ego is very, very challenging to work with because it, again, It uh, wants what it wants when it wants it. And the world is a a lot of times a reflection on of that uh, ego manifesting itself. So everything that we struggle with, with the planet and society and everything like that comes. Yeah. And it's also social pollution. We see a lot of that in social media now. And that concerns me, to be honest, Alex, just seeing what people put out there in the form of content, because I'm a content creator. So I, it worries me sometimes. Yeah, of course. Yes, yes, and it should because uh, because that has a momentum all of its own, and um, our our job is simply to be that which we you know I'm not going to be very terribly creative. Gandhi said it best. You know, be that which we wish, wish for the world. You know, um, mm-hmm. be the change, and that's really it. And nobody wants that answer. They want the answer of. Um, uh, this person's wrong, make them, make them right. How to change others and influence them to do what you want. <laughs> like I said earlier, <laughs> it's never, how can I take responsibility for everything in life? Um, how can I, um, how can I grow up and be an adult and learn how to consciously, compassionately communicate and live in full awareness 24 seven? Um, no, yeah. we want, we want little, little, we want to, we want uh, survival strategies instead of new ways of living. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I bring teachers like you on board on my platform so that we can actually, you know, add some energy and 
kind of push this this new kind of paradigm of living and yes. hopefully influence yeah. more people. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad, you know, people like you are making this kind of work available to the world so that people know that there's an alternative. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A key element in all of this for sure. Yeah. And thank you for what you do because mental health is really a major issue right now in our society. And we really need to learn how to take control of our thoughts and, you know, find that inner peace that so many people are finding hard to, to attain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alex. Uh, it was such, such a pleasure to have you uh, on our show today. Thank you, Celine. I so appreciate you inviting me again. And I hope that your participants, listeners uh, are uh, gaining some value from our conversation today. I'm sure they will. And I want to let all our listeners know, if you are interested in Alex Mill's books and programs, you can visit his website, alexandermilljr.com. So that's alexandermilljr.com. And uh, the link will be in the description. Alex, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, just that um, I, I, for me, it would be starting with... Um, well, yes, I guess the um, would be starting with where I started, depending on wherever you are. Um, yeah. If you are a reader, watcher, listener, move on to meditation, do something. It's uh, it's a it's a practice. And so I just want people to be really clear as much as I love platforms that share media and content um, in order for anything to be different in your life, it's going to require you to get out of the bleachers and onto the field. It's a participatory practice. So that's my biggest great message. Great message. All right. Again, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us today. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, Alex. Oh, you as well. Thank you so much, Celine. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.